Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Adulting is Easy podcast. This is Lauren, and we have our very last Wealth Wednesday live Twitter space recording for you. It's Clint, Stephen, Tom, and myself. We talked about real estate nightmares and reminisced kind of in general about the last year. It's been an incredible year of Twitter and personal growth, and it's, of course, not going to stop here, but we are done with Wealth Wednesday, at least for now. I hope you guys enjoy it, and we hope to see you on the Twitter sphere and keep listening to other episodes going forward. Thank you all. I'll go ahead and start um, while Lauren and Clint are waiting, and I'll share a story that I wasn't going to share tonight. Um, so this actually happened to me in 2020. I took a tenant um, in Ohio. Lauren, you back? Is there a problem again? No problem right now. Okay, okay so I took a tenant in Ohio, um, and this is just kind of a, a warm-up for tonight. And um, he started off fine, but then he started breaking things in the unit because he liked my general contractor so much he always wanted to see him. This was our first red flag because he was breaking pipes. He w broke a window. Um, it was very odd behavior. And then it escalated to whenever my general actor would go over there, he, he would uh, uh, cover him some body oil and walk around in Daisy Dukes. And, and then the general contractor didn't want to go back over there anymore because it just got more and more uncomfortable. The final point with this tenant was when he called the police on himself and he then proceeded to run over the two police officers that showed up in a car. Both police officers were okay. And um, he is in jail currently, and his family had to come pick up his furniture from the unit. It was a nightmare from start to finish, and it just kept getting worse. And it was one of those issues that you just couldn't ignore because he made it impossible to ignore. So I think that's the most extreme tenant I've ever had. Um, but that is not my nightmare story that I'm going to share tonight. So that was a, a warm up while Lauren and Clint were wrapping things up. Wait, um, when, when was that? I think that was in 2020 or 20. I think it was 2020 is when that finished like me at 2020. I can't believe you've never told me that before. That's insane. Yeah, it was one of those that I wouldn't have believed, except for the tenant downstairs had a nest and showed me the whole video. So I have it on video as well to prove everything that I just said. That's absolutely, absolute insanity. Well, hi everybody. For the second week in a row, I had a little bit of technical difficulties, but I am back and ready to host this space, this Wealth Wednesday space. This is our last. This is the final Wealth Wednesday. It has been one year of Wealth Wednesdays with me, Clint, Tom, and Steve. So we're really excited to have fun with this one. We are going back to pretty much the beginning and doing real estate nightmares, almost like a Halloween edition, if you will. Tom just rocked it. I don't know if I've ever heard the words body oil and Daisy Dukes in a real estate nightmare story, but that was awesome. And guys, I am Lauren. I am based in the Tampa Bay area, real estate investor with nine short-term rentals and three long-term rentals. 
I am Adulting is Easy here on Twitter, and I have the Adulting is Easy podcast. So this is being recorded, and we'll be post on that in a couple days if you need to jump off or if you want to listen to past ones. This is the last one, so let's make a great one. In that bottom right corner, you should have the ability to share a tweet or also comment, ask us questions. You can also request the mic in a little bit. We are here for it. We want this to be interactive. We want this to be fun. We can also be loose with it because this is our very last one ever. Clint, are you ready to join us? This is my first Spaces from Solana. I'm testing that. Hello, everybody. I am Clint. I'm a CFO of a real estate development company by day. And at night, I write and host the Pursuit of Learning podcast and invest in real estate. I don't have too many horror stories, but I'm here for the Q&A and the fun and the craziness that this is our last show. That's crazy. It's been Tom and Lauren. It's been one year, almost to the day. Almost to the day, yes. We started the last uh, October last year. Hi, everyone. I am Tom Brickman. I am the Frugal Gay. I am on my personal account because I was having echo issues on the Frugal Gay account, so I hopped over here, but it turns out it was Lauren's issue, but I'm just going to stay over here since I'm over here. I am joined here every Wednesday by Clint, Lauren, and Stephen, and I am a real estate investor based in Dallas, Texas, have 21 doors between Texas and Toledo, Ohio. And I recently left my nine to five and I have enjoyed my growth on my account, sharing my journey and networking with people that I meet through spaces and being motivated by what I learn in spaces every week. So I've grown a ton since we started a year ago. All four of us have grown a tremendous amount and I am excited and happy to be at this point right now. So thank you for letting me share. Awesome. It's so crazy that it's been it's been a year. Um, so maybe I'll maybe I'll kick us off. I think last year when we did this topic, I talked about a squatter that, that I had during the eviction moratorium back in 2020. And I guess what I will start with sharing this Wealth Wednesday is about the guest, the short-term rental guest that contacted my boss. And so with that, I will say that I am a nine to five employee. I sell corporate training. I have done that since 2014, so going on eight years now. And back in April, I was doing my job working from home and my plan I actually was at my parents house so everybody in the family was like going on the boat or whatever and I just stayed hunkered down in my dad's office and was working my regular kind of hours and at noon my plan for lunch was to go for a walk with my mom and right at noon I get off a phone call for work for my nine to five and I get this call from this woman and she is practically berating me a little bit about the fact that I request a security deposit in a renter's agreement. And she basically said like, well, she, she was very, she was pretty combative right off the bat. She's like, well, what if I don't do that? I said, no problem. You can cancel for a full refund, but you can't stay in my place. And she was like, you know, I think I'm going to report you anyways to Airbnb. I really don't think that you should be on the platform. And I was like, what? Like, all of this is in my house rules. It's in my listing. It's very clear that I requested stuff. This isn't some bait and switch thing. 
And she proceeded to, I said, yeah, hey, just call Airbnb. I'll type in you. Airbnb support can see the back and forth on Messenger. So I hung up with her and I typed into the back and forth and I said, I allow a full refund on this reservation. And she was like, oh, that's not it. She comments, that's not enough. They can't, blah, blah, blah. They won't do it from that. I said, I don't know what to tell you. And she said, well, I'm not calling Airbnb. You will call them. I'm not spending hours on the phone with them. I said, okay, no problem. I'll call them. I get through and tell them, hey, I would like to cancel this reservation and give a full refund. They're like, okay, cool. I'm gonna, they're, we're, you know, we're going to call the guests, whatever. And meanwhile, while I'm on the phone with them, she's messaging me and she's like, this is so bad. I really, I messed up here. This is not how you should communicate. But she was like, she was like, I'm on the phone with Airbnb right now and I'm not getting off until you cancel this. And I said, and I was like, LOL, why would that make me cancel faster? Because, like, she was obviously, like, a huge, you know, B, a huge B. And I was like, I would love for you to stay on the phone all afternoon. Like, it's it's nothing to off, it's no sweat off my back if you stay on the phone with Airbnb for hours. But I really was actually working on canceling it. So, anyways, cancel the reservation, move on, whatever. Um, that was a Friday. On Sunday, she emailed, like, the info box at my company that I was working for at the time. And my boss happened to check that inbox and he she was like basically the the tenor of it was lauren is a bully she is not nice to people she won't she won't do the right thing and cancel an airbnb reservation because it'll affect her super host rating is she doing this at work is she bullying other other employees is she doing whatever she can to just keep her rating up and my boss responded and was like i'm fully aware that lauren has an airbnb business I want all of my employees to pursue the things that make them really happy on the side. Lauren does her work really well. I would trust her with more than my credit card. He's like, like I would trust her with my credit card, Instagram, my ID, whatever. I would trust her with anything. And uh, it's kind of creepy that you're messaging me and you should probably let this go. And that was really awesome. Kind of a mic drop moment for me. And I guess the moral of the story there, what I was really grateful for in that moment was that my nine to five boss knew about my rental properties. And I mean, like, all the properties he knew even sometimes i would be like hey i need to take a couple hours off you know i have a inspection and he'd be like you know what take half a day you know take enough time make sure you get to spend time with the property really think about it so he really knew what was going on with my side hustle and my side business and knew all about it so i was really grateful in that moment and also that i was able i was still doing my job that's the thing about having side hustles which adulting is easy certainly is and my short-term rentals and long-term rentals certainly are is it's okay to have these short-term rentals but you do also still need to work at your nine-to-five job and still be a good employee and that really paid off for me in that moment tom clint anything i always love that one i remember when you were going through it and you were sharing the story along the way as she was being a very unnice person and the end result being your boss standing up for you and having your back was one of my uh, favorite stories along the way that we've been together. Yeah, I love it, Lauren. Clint, if one of your, you have quite a few people, I'm not sure what number is report to you as a CFO. How do you feel about your employees having side hustles and passive projects on the side? How would you react basically is what I'm asking if you were my boss in that situation. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think I, I may have a different 
feeling than the people I report to in that I'm much more comfortable with it. I mean, at the end of the day, what I look at is, is the person that's on my team getting their job done? Are they being a good colleague, a good teammate? And if you can answer yes to all of that, if they have a side hustle, how does that negatively impact me? That's the general theory I have on it, Lauren. Now, if they're not performing in their day job, they're not being a good colleague, they're not being a good teammate, then you may start to say, hey, I think your side hustle may be getting in the way of, of your job, maybe getting in the way of working here. But if you if you can do both, why not? Why do so many employers have an issue with their employees doing that? That's the way I look at it. Yeah, that's awesome. I figured, of course, because you can put yourself yourself in their shoes. Do you want to tell a real estate horror story? (laughs) Well, I I don't necessarily have a a, a real estate horror story per se, but I I mean, realistically, I'm in their shoes, right? So if you you look at all the stuff I'm doing on social media and where that's going, the podcast, one could say, hey, these are all side hustles that you intend to someday monetize and someday may not be that far down the road. So uh, great announcements coming early next year. But when you think of it that way, I'm in that boat and I think they could easily say, hey, we've got an issue with it. But my feedback would be, well, aren't I, aren't I still doing my job? Aren't we still operating at a high level? And so that's the fun one. I, I think real estate horror stories, I mean, gosh, right now is a horror story. The, the, just the last, the last six months with the rising interest rates, I, I think what we're seeing here, and I'm interested to see what you both are seeing, is right out of the gate, values of homes are going down. So the amount of the amount of net worth that I guess I've lost in the last six months has been astronomical. Although it's paper, so who cares, realistically. Um, And then number two would be, we had one unit that we're renting out and we've had two price drops. So you guys are probably experiencing the same thing and that rents were going up, up and up, stratospheric. So they've started to fall off. So we've had two rent drops and haven't rented that one out. And we just had another tenant uh, indicate that they're going to move out. And the amount of rent that we're going to ask is less than what we're renting it for. So um, getting a little problematic from a value perspective. And then also from now it's starting to hit the rental rates. So for me, now is probably the horror story. And I think it's only going to get worse over the next six months. But the other side of that, if you dig through and if you, especially if you make some investment in that six months, you know, three, four, five years from now will be the best time. Absolutely. And in Canada, we raised interest rates another 50 basis points today. So our prime lending rate is now up to 5.95. So generally, uh, when we were in the lows through COVID, we were down at 2.45. So we're up 3.5% or 150% from the time they started raising rates. I think we've been raising them slightly ahead of you. So if we're up 50, you guys will probably have 50 to 75 basis points over the next month or two, I would guess. Yeah, that sounds about right. Clint, the 
drops that you're seeing in values, is that specific to Vancouver or is that occurring in other areas as well? I think it's occurring in other areas from what I read about. I mean, even looking at Zillow in the Austin area for my trip down to say hi to Tom that you're going to join us for, hopefully, the almost every listing I looked at uh, had in red price decrease. So uh, the places I was looking at, on average, I was looking in the zone of 1.25 to 1.75 million. And a lot of those places had uh, 100,000, 150,000 price reductions. So pretty material. I mean, we're looking at you know, anywhere from 5 to 10% price reduction. So pretty, pretty needy. And, and I have a feeling it, as the rates go up, that's only going to increase. What are yeah. you seeing, Tom? What are you seeing? Yeah, I. Oh, I was just going to say I haven't noticed a ton, a ton of price drops. I do feel as though things are sitting on the market down here in the Tampa Bay area longer. Go ahead, Tom. I was going to say in Dallas, I am definitely seeing some price drops, like what you were seeing in Austin. Um, I the F in Toledo is still selling. And it's not selling as quick, like Lauren was saying. It, you know, it's taking two to three weeks. However, um, if it's good and it makes sense, and Toledo is one of those markets where it hits the one percent rule, it still makes sense. People are still buying them, so that's what I'm seeing in both my markets. How are you doing on getting stuff rented, Tom? I know we were talking about that recently. You had a, a few vacant, I think, or or coming up or something. Yeah, so I have two going up in the next month. And I'm actually going to Ohio next week. So um, we don't have super inflated rent. So my three-bedroom, one-bath that's going up next week will be 850 And that's fantastic for a three-bedroom, one-bath anywhere you go. So we haven't had quite a stall. I had a client that just put up his two-bedroom, one-bath. And it took us under 30 days from start to finish to, to get it rented. At, at what we were asking. Actually, I think we were we started at 875 and ended up renting it at 850. So it was a, a small uh, decrease, but we, we still got, he, he went into it thinking we were going to get 800. So we were still 50 ahead. Nice. Okay. I'm glad that's, I'm glad that's going well. Do you want to share a real estate nightmare from the last year or so since we've done this topic? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I'm going to share a 2020 story again. I just shared the first one while we were warming up. The second one was a 2020 story. This was um, June and July of 2020. I bought a hoarder house and I absolutely get my, I not know I was getting myself into. Uh, the first week that I owned it, I bought a 20 yard dumpster, had it plopped in the driveway and we had that thing filled in less than an hour and we were at a complete standstill and we didn't even get beyond the foyer. Uh, the second week I, I wised up, I got a 40-yard dumpster, we got almost the whole living room emptied, and we started our way into the dining room. The nightmare started in um, week three uh, when I went to pick up a piece of luggage that was on the floor and full of chapstick. Um, this was, we were almost down to three, we were nearly and we were tossing into the dumpster. I um, was carrying it, 
and out jumped two squirrels that were apparently in the suitcase eating chim chapstick. And I'm not going to lie to anyone. I shit my face. I was like so terrified at that point because I didn't expect two squirrels to jump out. It was panic mode. And then the remainder of the project, the four months, I was so panicked about something else jumping out that it just made the rest of the project extra. And I didn't have electricity. I didn't have running water. I didn't have any of those for the first two to three months. So you're in this house, it's sweaty, it's smelly, it stinks. And to have two squirrels run out of a, a piece of luggage that is full of chapstick is an experience I really don't wish on anyone. And I realize that squirrels aren't that scary, but it's just the, I didn't expect anything to jump out because I had just moved like a hundred other boxes and no issues. And um, when they jumped out, it just was unexpected and awful. So they ran, They ran, there was a hole in the kitchen ceiling. So they ran right up into the roof and right through the roof and right outside. But um, yeah, that was a horrific story. I could share multiple other ones with fires or shootings or tenants stealing appliances. I think that I'm not the only one in here who's had tenants steal appliances. Um, so I've had that is the only time that I've had squirrels jump out of luggage that had been in there eating chapstick. That makes me really sad because I really love the chapstick that's like cherry and I really like the smell of it. And now you're making me like really kind of creeped out by the idea that that really nice smelling thing is in this kind of disgusting smelling place. And I didn't know that squirrels ate chapstick. I think that they probably don't regularly, but they that was what was available in the house, and that was their resource. What what really was a the hoarder had bought a bunch of boxes of Halloween candy probably at the end of the season and was going to resell them, and that never happened. So that being in there, they ate through those three or four boxes really quick, and then there was nothing else left in the house for them to eat. So they went towards anything else they could get and it was apparently a piece of luggage full of chapstick that was the next best option for them that's absolutely ridiculous um so guys we've shared some stories if you have some or if you have any questions or reactions release our, our final wealth wednesday it's been a whole year of doing this we're trying to keep it loosey-goosey we've been going for about half an hour we'll go for about another hour or so if you guys want us to and uh we can keep sharing nightmare stories i'm sure i've got a couple more tom's got a couple more i'm sure maybe a couple dozen more clint might have one that we could weasel out of them so if you have anything to share certainly let us know if you have questions you should be able to ask them on um on the bottom right there with the little chat bubble or if you want to just come right out and speak that's totally cool as well we have a request from carla so i was just gonna prove her um and i was also <laughs> i was just gonna add um something you were talking about i haven't had stolen appliances i i elected not to provide washers and dryers to my d-class duplex in 2019 i think that was probably a good move i what we did have was after she had abandoned the property 
and you know stolen electricity and water for a while and that got even the stolen stuff got shut off and she had continued to use the facilities and the property smelled really bad and there were maggots and everything after all of that when she abandoned the property we went over there she had been you know gone for over two weeks went over there and changed the locks she broke in that night and smashed the stove kind of in retribution i think it was a flat top stove so she she smashed that luckily at the time we had just bought the bed and breakfast and we had an extra stove so we just took it on down there no problem whatsoever but that was something that was pretty much she broke the window and then broke the stove um as well doesn't this make you want to get into real estate guys um clint do you want to share your uh, stolen appliance story yeah i mean like tom you take the good with the bad and i would say it was our very first tenant and it was within the first three or four months of them becoming a tenant our property manager reached out and said hey i'm starting to have trouble with these people and they're not paying you know in the past I, they were a little bit late but but now the money's not coming what do you want me to do and I, I think he landed on a recommendation that we evict and so we said okay and they said they just needed a little bit of time and then by the time he went in to look they had stolen our washer and dryer and so you know you look at it and say can we use the insurance to go get it but then your rates are going to go up and in the benefit of after you pay the deductible it, it's negligible so you, you just have to eat it buy a new washer and dryer put them in and, and the way i've always looked at it you know we're very fortunate to be able to own some income properties and ensure i think what people don't realize is in the early years the income properties actually don't pay uh, well, sorry, like it depends on the the area. I, I know Tom cash flows from the beginning, but where we live, your income property, these don't actually, they don't cash flow. So for those first five to seven years, you're putting cash into it. And so it's really negative when your first experience is, oh gosh, we just lost the washer and dryer and have to replace it. But at the end of the day, we were fortunate enough to have an income property. We, we continue to buy more and long-term will be better off. And I, I sort of look at it, Lauren, and say, what type of sad situation must those people have been in if their only resort was to steal our washer and dryer? So when I think of it that way, it's, I'm able to sort of let go of the uh, suckiness of getting your washer and dryer stolen. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to think about it. I think about that sometimes with like the squatter I had to where just how much that life must suck that you kind of have to like almost steal a place from your boyfriend, get him locked up, change the locks, you know, it's not going to last forever. Then you have to steal the utilities. I mean, it just sucks. Like there's, there's no, there's just no security in that. Knowing that something can be is basically for sure going to be taken from you eventually. See, we have a request from David. Oh, David Guzman, REI. REI stands for real estate investing, so maybe he has a story. Where'd he go? Go ahead, Tom. I'll share. Okay, so I'll yeah. share two, th two things that I wanted to share. Um, number one, I also had a tenant, and this tenant was identical to Justin Bieber, and they stole my appliances, and then they used it to stop the eviction. And then we ended up having to do the eviction. This is one of my three evictions over the 18 years. And that's when we realized that the, they stopped the eviction by selling all my appliances 
and paying up their back rent, but um, there were no appliances there when um, we were finished. So I've, I've been there with these stolen appliances and it's absolutely awful. Second thing I wanted to um, touch on was Carla messaged me this week and she's like, why is this the last Wealth Wednesday? And um, I wanna say to everyone, uh, where we were a year ago and where we are now is wild. And Lauren has a screenshot where her and Steven were uh, last uh, year on Wealth Wednesday. And I think they were both at about 5,000 and I think Clint was in that same range. And I was, I was the low man on the totem pole. I think I had like 1,700 followers. But I think that we, and I said this to Carla, and this is why I'm sharing it, I think we've all grown a tremendous amount. And I've learned so much from Stephen, Lauren, and Clint every week. And that's why we've continued to do this. But we're also getting pulled in about 800 different directions between this opportunity or this project or, or doing this podcast and, and doing that. And we've had a wonderful run. We've all grown a tremendous amount over the last year. And it's time for us to kind of take off our training wheels and, and go in those different directions and those different opportunities. And that's what I said to um, Carla. Um, and I really want to share how much I appreciate this because I think if I wouldn't have started doing, doing Wealth Wednesdays with you guys, I might still be working at a movie theater and handing someone popcorn. It was like surrounding myself with the three of you every week and hearing your stories and hearing your motivation that got me enough confidence to go in there. It was December 24th when I put in my notice. And I remember I was walking down the aisle of the 99 cent store. And I remember I texted uh, my partner and I said, this is the first time I felt happy. And I can't even remember that. So I think that we all use this as a learning. I, I know that you all haven't quit your jobs like I quit mine. However, I know that we've all grown up a lot and i'm not just saying that in a negative way so that's uh my thoughts on on wealth wednesday and where we were and where we've we've grown to and um uh lauren just just shared that uh text message or that screenshot that she took a year ago and and now and lauren i'll turn it back over to you or to clint yeah um, you should feel a lot better now because now i'm the low man on the totem pole followers so that's all good because the frugal gays are like you're almost at 30 and i'm almost at 20. <laughs> i i think i think i may have been at below well not below i think i was close to tom in between tom and steven i think steven and i hit seven thousand the same week which was last november the first week or second week of november last year so still not a year. So 7,000 to 168,000 in under a year. Like it's been absolutely insane what the, what the four of us have done. And I, I think a big part of that, Carla, is, you know, I can't speak for the rest of the group, but I know part of it for me is, is I haven't slept much. And, and getting pulled in all those directions I start to look at the calendar and I, I get a little bit of panic attacks because there's, you know, I have my day job, which is quite busy and then, and then the podcast and then the spaces and I still have to write content every day. And, and, so, and so it starts to add up and it starts to get a bit overwhelming. And I think 
all four of us started to feel that same way that the the sheer volume of what we're doing and and now trying to do i think might be a fair way to say it as well lauren and tom is the things we're thinking of launching to be able to leverage the audience that we've spent uh, the last year or so building they're occupying a lot of our thought and you know Lauren and I are one of the things we're talking about on the side is launching a spaces slash podcast where where we talk about uh, fin- money books or finance books. So if, if people think that that would be a fun space to tune into and and listen to and then be published as a podcast, you know, throw some throw some signs at us and, and we'll really think deeply on it. But we're, we're always thinking of ways to engage and to get to know our audience and to get to know people and be able to add value to people's lives. And I, I think part of what we realized with Wealth Wednesday is just all four of us in, in what we're doing, we're almost going in in different directions with how we're, we're going to monetize and the projects we're pursuing and want to make sure that we can put the time into those projects to really add value to the people that we participate with. Lauren, how does that sound to you and, and what's on your mind as we wrap Wealth Wednesday up? I mean, there's definitely a level of sadness because jumping on together and, and hearing each other's voices over the last year, there, you know, there were some dark times over that year where we weren't, go- we weren't growing or shitty things were happening and our being able to message each other and talk to each other on a way every Wednesday night was, was definitely a bit heartwarming. So there's definitely some sadness there. And, and I, and I know we, we want to be able to keep in touch as much as we do while we're on the spaces, but it just becomes so much harder when you're not having that weekly conversation. Yeah, definitely. The the conversation between the four of us, Wealth Wednesday hosts, will be will be different. Certainly, I think we'll always look back on this past year. Wealth Wednesday is just grateful that we met each other, and all of you that are listening that share with us. And I've met tons of people this way. It's been absolutely fantastic. And obviously, this isn't the end of all of us. It's not the end of all of us together. Um, Clint, I didn't know that we were ready to tell people we're thinking about launching a a book-based podcast. Um, And then me and Tom and Steven are in Cashville Unity, where we have a Discord group, and we're going to start doing webinars and things like that, where we're teaching on specific personal finance topics. So like Clint said, there are different projects that we are doing, and we've loved Wealth Wednesday. And Clint, speaking of voices... I have been talking to you guys every Wednesday night and then every Friday for two hours for the last year, I listen to your voices again. I don't know if you know the wavelength of your voice, Clint, as much as I know it. Um, but so it's, it's definitely, this has been awesome. I don't think it's like, we'll never talk again. I don't think we, we could totally do some Wolf Wednesday, you know, reunions going forward and th- things like that. But it's been, I'm currently thinking about that. Um, this has been something that, we kind of just announced it, I think, last week, but we've known for probably three or four months that this was going to be our last one. Prepare for David yet, right? Yeah, no, I had a question when you guys were talking about the uh, tenants, you know, doing appliances. I was just wondering when is it worth, like, if you guys ever go after them for images or stolen appliances? It sounds like the question was kind of answered. It sounds like, you, you know, it's, it's not worth it to you. Um, I just wanted to know if you guys, there's ever a point where you think it might be worth it 
I haven't ran into that yet, but I'm just wondering if there'd be a reference. Yeah, I think there would be situations that it would be worth that I, I think you're going to end up looking at every situation on a case-by-case -case basis. If I look at the one that we dealt with, when, when they applied to be tenants, you know, one of the things that our property manager will do is police checks and, and see if anything pops up and there, there was nothing with this particular tenant, totally clean record, good reference. And in three months later, he let us know that there was... Um, when, when he was in the process of the eviction, and he let us know that there was arrest warrants out for the person that was living for the for the uh, male half of the partnership that was living in the in the place. And so, part of what I think in my head is, hey, clean record, everything's good, paying job, all of a sudden can't afford their rent, arrest warrant out steel appliances like what starts to go through my mind is addiction issues mental health issues and when i start to hear that david the last thing i, I feel like i need to do is add on to that person's equation hey this person stole my own washer and dryer whatever sentence they're going to get even longer um more i'm thinking in my head i hope this person can get the help they need to overcome the challenges they're facing. And so I think every case, sorry, every case you're going to look at is going to be different. And some people may just be doing things to damage your place because, you know, something's wrong with them or they're jerks or, and Hey, maybe they, maybe they need to learn a lesson and you can do that. But in this situation for me, I, I think our thoughts were this person's dealing with enough without us adding it to their, situation. Tom, what about you and the situations you looked at? I completely agree with everything you said. So um, I've had appliances stolen twice, and I actually had appliances stolen last summer. And uh, I just remember um, the, the I, early on, I paid extra. And when I got the judgment, I paid extra. So wages could be garnished. And um, I can't remember what the judgment was for. It was between three and four thousand. I'm going to say, and and I never was able to recover any of that. So I stopped chasing money that I lost due to damage. Um, but I've never been in that position. And same with last year when, when the tenant stole the appliances for the second time. This is a different tenant, but I've had it happen twice. Um, I just remember uh, thinking to myself, uh, they were using. The tenant was using a um, sort of public defender, and um, I'm like, this tenant is in such a bad situation already. The last thing that this tenant needs is me to try and throw a judgment on. Obviously, they're in a much different spot than I am, where they're stealing appliances um, and and using a a free lawyer. And I don't want to add. I know that they just inconvenienced me because they just stole my refrigerator and my. Um, stove but um i didn't feel that it was necessary i do believe that i filed a police report i do know that i had to rebuy the appliances but i did not pursue trying to recover any of that money from that tenant last year when i did it because just simply put it just wasn't worth it to me to try and share that two thousand dollars and that's where i'm at when i i'm a lot of times i'm happy to cut my loss get them out of the unit 
or out of my home and start renting it again versus trying to chase what I lost because they didn't pay rent. Um, and I know that there's situations I've, I've heard landlords who have had 10 or $20,000 worth of damage and it's hundred percent worth it. I just haven't had that sort of situation where I'm out $10,000 in damages. Yeah. I think that when you first get your first couple of properties, say, you end up, I think, not making money at first kind of anyways, almost no matter what you do, and you have your nine to five job and you're getting your training rules under you or whatever, and then you kind of get up and running and then you start making money and things like that. I said that to say that while I have my nine to five and I'm not a hundred percent reliant on my real estate properties, I just don't know. I also have, you know, a nine to five. So I don't know when I would go to the courthouse and things like that. So it's a different mindset when I'm fully and completely relying on real estate income to pay all of my bills and, and you know, finance my whole entire life that I may change how I feel. And I may go after people more um, for the most part. I, I just, I don't have, I literally don't have the hours in, in the day to go after people uh, to a smaller extent. I have short-term rentals. Now I take a security deposit. And I have in my renter's agreement that I can charge people for linens and stuff. And sometimes I'm super, super tempted to do it. It'll ruin like three towels and a, in a like a hand towel. And I'm like, I just want to do it. Like they, I told them I would, they destroyed it. They didn't tell me about it or anything. And I, I've still never done it. Um, but sometimes I'm really tempted to even take like a hundred, you know, a hundred bucks back or 30 bucks back from somebody, but I haven't done it. This one lady, spilled coffee on one of our uh, guest books before anybody had signed it. And she told me, she was like, Oh my God, please let me pay for it. And so I took, uh, I took her $10 and 70 cents from her security deposit that one time, but that's pretty much it. That's all I've ever done. Hey, look who's here. Can you, can you hear me, Lauren? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry. So I'm going dinner with my parents. We get out. And my parents want is we're talking about horror stories for me. My parents wanted to talk about wills and estates, and we're at the keg, which is I don't know if, I don't think you guys have the keg there in, down in Tampa, but kind of like Outback Steakhouse or a real nice place for dinner. And they legit brought out their will and wanted to go through it line by line, and uh, it was a little tough. So. My apologies. That's why I was uh, late tonight. So this <laughs> came up like I got. I got to go. I got. I got a podcast. My parents are like. Well, we want to talk about what happens after we die. So maybe that might be more important. So my apologies. But uh, have you guys gone through the crack houses and shootings and stuff? We haven't done any shootings or crack houses, if you can believe it. Steven, Tom has told stories I've never heard before tonight. And no. you're, you're gonna have to listen to the recording, but it's been epic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. My te my text to you is probably like real nasty now that I think about it. When you're thinking about your parents' death. <laughs> oh man, this is gonna be horrible. I apologize, um, and I, and I should have. And it was hard too because I like I can't take out my phone and really text you at the same time when my parents are, you know. This is where we want to do our funeral. This is where we want to. Do. I was like, oh, this is this is super heavy. I thought we were just going out for a steak and we were going to be done at six thirty and I'd be back in time. Yeah, it but well, it got super heavy. 
So well, at least it's personal finance related. That's good. Hey, everybody, get your estate plans in order. Maybe tell your kids you're going to do it beforehand. That would be good. But I guess you can go, Stephen. Um, you've been trying. Have you been trying to get a place rented? Did you get it rented? I did. Yeah, I got it rented. All rented out. Uh, it was no problem at all. I had actually it was a weird experience this time. I had um, fifty people reach out to me, call me, make appointments to come out and see the condo that I rent out, and then uh, probably twenty showed up. And then 10 filled out applications, and it was really easy to take my pick of the litter um, and get the best tenant that I could. For a terrific price, I raised rents, and even still, wasn't a problem to, to rent it out there. So it was a good experience, but it was weird how so many people wanted to come by and see it, but not everyone would show up. And then the ones that did show up seemed very desperate this time, more desperate than ever. Uh, they would say stuff like, if you're willing to rent it to me today, I'll pay you the deposit. I'll pay you over ask. Um, very willing to meet the conditions that I had. So there was a really weird market for landlords and renters this year. I think a lot of people were selling homes and trying to get out. And a lot of the landlords were selling homes from underneath their tenants and then tenants were having to scrambling and find new places so that could have had something to do with it but it was a really weird market this year so it was it was good having to pick the leader letter and being able to say hey like yeah a couple they're married um they're working they have two cars they got good jobs they're bringing in over a hundred thousand dollars combined income good job references and their previous landlord gave them a going reference and even said they pay ahead of time. So like they'll pay a day or two, usually the Friday before month end. So it was an easy pick. So yeah, but yeah, it was great though. Yeah. No problem. Good, no, was, I'm glad it's a leg work. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Tom, I think he had a vacancy kind of at the same time, well, more than one probably, but it sounds like he's settled all of it down as well. So I guess you're up, Stephen, if you want to, want to share a real estate horror story. So I've never really had a horror story. The worst one, and it's the same one that I had shared last year has to do with my father-in-law who, uh, had a tenant who said all of a sudden they needed to leave and he needed to get, um, the tenant needed to leave, get out of town and wasn't able to give adequate notice, like one or two weeks. And then my father-in-law was a little heavy handed with him and said, no, like I get my cut of the damage deposit or you don't get your two weeks worth of rent. There was a bit of discussion and argument over the settlement of that. Legally, I think my father-in-law was in the right. You just can't pack up and leave on short-term notice and have no financial repercussion. So, eh, how did it go? The guy went back to, so the guy said, yeah, whatever, fine. Keep your damage deposit, keep your two, uh, two weeks remaining in the month. And when my father-in-law went back to uh, the apartment, 
after he had vacated the unit. To his surprise, the place was in fine condition, really clean, and didn't need to do anything to get it ready for the next tenant. Uh, next tenant moves in, and a week or two after that, uh, the tenant started to complain that there was a really weird odor in the unit. And then my father-in-law went to that place, checked it out, said, I can't, I can't tell what's going on here. Hired a professional to come out and like odorize it or help it out, or I don't know. Anyways, long story short, it turned out that what had happened is the guy who got ticked off before had got in and stuffed meat, a deer carcass into the wall, put drywall back up over it, repainted it and everything, and let it rot inside the wall over the month or two that it happened after that. So, so they had to open up the wall, take out the carcass, the meat, the deer, clean it all out, repair the wall a little bit, and then uh, put the drywall back on to repaint it after he had uh, gotten the, the deer out. So that's the worst thing. That, well, actually, that was pretty big. Obviously, that's pretty bad. It's pretty horrific or like kind of scarring or you're, you're never going to forget that. But shortly after, you remember when I was doing that uh, second flip property, Lauren? We had yeah, just just a quick com comment on yeah. the carcass. Like, holy crap, like, that's, I'm almost, like, impressed because I don't think I would ever think of that. Also, thank God it was a deer, you know what I mean? Like, thank God it wasn't some John Wayne Gacy shit, like that. <laughs> God. <laughs> well, there's that, oh, what's, there's that, I, and I, even, I think we talked about this last year, too, there's that one Mexican cartel movie where they go into like a barn or something like that and they find a whole bunch of dead bodies stuffed into the wall. It always reminds me of that whenever I think about that story and see that. So awful. Um, but water damage too can be pretty horrific as well. So he's had, my father-in-law has had a couple of problems with water damage where a tenant will leave the sink running, leave the apartment, and then water will run down and damage the unit below as you can probably imagine, and that can be costly, to say the least, to fix that up. That was crazy, that, that tweet you put up in the nest. That, seriously, on that same day, we had the exact same number of followers? No, I had like 60 more or something. Oh, uh, yeah, I had 60 more. I took a screenshot of an idiot, and I thought it was the same. That's the only reason I have that. <laughs> but that's probably like the last day I had more followers than you've seen it. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. I know. Easy. Such an idiot. My, um, my... Yeah. No, that water stuff is, water is so bad. And I'm a big fan of, like, density. I have three properties. One is basically four units, you know, if you count the camper. One's a duplex and one's a six unit. And I think about that a lot with the six unit because there's these two units on top and they can really mess There's all oh, the husband, the fire protection engineer, is always kind of wondering, like, what if one of these just fire then you know it's all kind of going up so that is kind of the downside of the density is you know more than one unit can be affected by the others yeah for sure did you say it was your father that's the fire engineer my husband is a fire protection engineer yep licensed oh yeah. okay cool yeah steven you missed the part um we were going through 
we had gotten asked why this is our last Wealth Wednesday and um, Lauren, Clint, and I all kind of shared our our feelings on where we were a year ago and how many different directions. And Clint dropped some um, possibility of collaborating with Lauren on a possible podcast about books. And Lauren shared about um, Cashflow University that we're all doing. So did you have anything that you wanted to add in on um, projects that you're working on or why we're wrapping this up and how you feel about us wrapping this up now? Oh, you shoot me in the heart, Tom. <laughs> um, you know, we started, you know, and I think the original goal was to say, let's do a spaces on just how you would start building wealth and how you would do real estate if you had to start over. Because real estate is difficult because there's such a barrier to entry. Not everyone has $50,000 to just go buy a duplex or a fourplex. So how would you deploy your first 20,000, 30,000, 50,000? And so it's part of the, part of the problem with real estate is, yeah, we don't know a terrific asset. Yeah. We made the most millionaires of any other asset category out there. Stocks, crypto, you pick it. Real estate always comes out on top. Um, but the problem is, is that uphill battle to start with. And so we started this a year ago to say, hey, how could we help in some small way, even if it's just that, of how to help people to buy or start or get into real estate. We did cover some other topics, crypto, and I think we, we may have touched on stocks once or twice, but that's where we started with. And I think over the course of the year we've had some successes we've had some really good spaces and podcasts we've had some great guests um i think our best ones were on mindset crypto when it was hot a few on real estate but if i'm frank and if i'm honest we never got the uptick that we thought we wanted and part of building wealth and part of the building a community and then you do is you got to know when to cut your loss you got to know when to say hey you know what maybe it's time to move on and i think we're at that point where we need to kind of say hey you know we've all grown we've all learned a lot about each other on the panel here and everyone here seems to be doing a different new project now and maybe it's just time for us to to move on and see what our next avenue is. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you know what? I'm doing podcasts on books. I'm doing Cashflow University. Tom, you're digging into the Google game. You have some great real estate opportunities coming down there. And let's just, you know, let's be adults about this and let's move on. So I think that has to do with it is, is my opinion. It's just, uh, we gave it a good run. We met some great, terrific people and we're all ready for the next step. Yeah, I yeah. kind of just echoed exactly what I said already. And Lauren, you want to go? I was going to say, it's like, it's kind of like graduating in a way, you know, you can play that song, graduation song, and it's like this positive thing. We're all moving on. We're all moving up. We're never going to forget what we did, you know, all of those things. Um, but sorry, Tom, if you wanted to react more eloquently to what Stephen said. 
No, that was that was perfectly said, and that's again exactly my thoughts as well. Is that we've grown a tremendous amount over the past year, all four of us, and we are getting pulled in many different directions with all these different opportunities. And there are days where it's absolutely overwhelming. Um, for those of you that are just jumping in now, I started off on my frugal gate profile. We had echo issues. I jumped over to my personal. But I took uh, two weeks off of October from my profile, basically because I just, there gets a point where you log in and you see that you have 100 DMs and you send out tweets that say, hey, I answer everyone. And then you know that you have to sit there and answer all 100 DMs and it gets overwhelming. And it gets, even um, Carla gave me a hard time last week. She goes, what's the Wealth Wednesday topic? And I said, um, it's, uh, you'll be glad that you started. And then Carla's like, you're not listening to me. And I'm like, yeah, I am. And then she realized that that was the topic. She thought I was talking to someone else. But it's tough times to go in 50 different directions in one day. And I mean, I hung up um, a Zoom call and two minutes later I was on Twitter to do this uh, final Wealth Wednesday. So we have all had a fantastic run and we have to set our priorities and know our limits. And that's also why I'm like, this is a perfect time for me to just jump off of Twitter and enjoy a week. And I'll tell you what, it is like, and I've said this to my partner several times over the past couple weeks, it's so nice to be able to do two um, Instagrams and one TikTok and go on with my day and not spend half my day on my screen trying to respond to DMs and, and engage with people and answer questions. So there's times where myself personally, I just hit my limit and I've given what I can give and that's what I can do. And I think that's where all four of us are with this is we have grown a tremendous amount and we have, it, it, I think I could have never imagined where I would be a year ago with the frugal gay where I am and the amount of opportunities and the amount of people and the amount of investors and all the different things that come my way. And that's why I take the time and I try and respond to all 100 DMs when I log in and I have 100 DMs. It's always really hard on days that you have a tweet hit because you'll, and everyone up here, Lauren, Clint, um, Stephen, and I have all had those days where the tweet just hits and then you do have just a DM full of questions and comments and, and you're getting pulled in so many different directions. So I appreciate the three of you showing up here every week. I've learned so much and I said this earlier, but I know that if I wouldn't have aligned with you guys early on, I would probably be handing out popcorn tomorrow at the theater. So I truly appreciate um, being able to bounce ideas off you and work with you guys for the past year because it's it's been a, a fantastic uh, run. It certainly has. And I forgot what we picked Wednesday night originally, Tom. Was one of the reasons because you were off on Wednesday nights? Yes, this was, this was my regular night night off, or a day off, yes. Yeah, well... Wow. Yeah, I think the, good. I totally forgot about that. That's awesome. That's a cool little backstory there, Tom. Like you, you look back at the last year and, and your retiring was motivation. I feel like I'm probably three years ahead of my planned schedule 
my wife Leslie retired two weeks ago and it was the growth that the four of us have experienced together over the last year that told her that, Hey, there's something here and you're not wrong. And once I started making my first dollars online, it's like everyone says, you make, you make a dollar, you realize you can make a million. You just have to scale that dollar. And she believes in me now, you know, the first year was just, uh, people don't realize like I was, a lot of nights sleeping four and a half hours and just getting up and putting in the work to be able to do everything I was doing and be a father and be a CFO. And so it started that up. Like I'm definitely at a burnout point, but you know, she started taking over her first few things and, and that's going to grow. And tomorrow night I have a call with two close friends and, and we're looking at starting a business together and, uh, we have three or four courses we're going to be launching and online classrooms and products and ghostwriting and an agency and, and we're having our first call on all of that tomorrow. And you start to look at that and say, a year ago, wouldn't even have thought any of this was possible. I was just here to promote podcasts. And now you start to see what doors are open and it's absolutely beautiful and amazing. Uh, it just means the amount of time that it takes is challenging, right? And in the three of the three of you have different things as well on the go. You have CFU, and it, it just all starts to add up. And there's only so many hours in the day. I know we're probably still going to jump on spaces and hang out. And uh, Sean, I see you there, and I know we'll jump on spaces. None of us as much as we were in January when it was still kind of a new thing, and we were all doing it every two days through January, but um, I look forward to jumping back on the basis with you guys. <laughs> no, Steven, no. No, no, no. What was the longest you spent on the spaces? Oh, god! Remember, remember back in January and February? Do, it was like it the gross I think out. I got COVID from that space, even though I was alone in my office because my immune system broke. I started with Sana and uh, Drew, the psychologist, at about eight o'clock at night, one of them dropped off at 10, one of them dropped off at 11. I picked up another host, she dropped off at like two. Some you who are on the East Coast went to bed while we were on the call and then woke up and we were still going. I think I clocked out at about five in the morning. So it was, gosh, that was like, I felt like we did, yeah, that was nine hours. So nine to 10 hours was that one, Steve. And then I think it was because when I started it, I was at like 9,200. And then somewhere in that call, I realized like, holy crow, I'm going to hit 10,000 from this space because there was a hundred and something people in the room and people kept coming in and I just kept going and new followers were adding and all of a sudden it was like nine ninety seven ninety eight hundred and i said to my wife like i'm not coming to bed till i hit ten thousand and that was at about four or five in the morning and then i was like guys i gotta i gotta wrap this up i'm starting to get delirious and that's when he that's when he put the that's when he put the purple circle remember that's where he became mr purple circle it was probably like that night <laughs> that was so okay and then now you're at 168,000 okay so what's yeah. 
what's your growth tactic, Clint? Is it still threads? Yeah, it's still threads. And, and so the, I mean, you know, the flywheel, we've talked about the flywheel, right? Is, is the growth on Twitter allows me to reach out to some pretty cool guests uh, to come on the podcast. And over the next two months, I have probably three or four of the biggest guests I've ever had coming on the podcast whether that's uh, Diego Forte talking about a second brain or um, certain authors that have books on kindness that have an insane amount of reviews. So I'm I'm starting to get some really good connection with some authors. For those who don't know my podcast, I read a book and then have a conversation with the author. And so I'd say over the next two months, Steve, I've, I've got four really big authors coming on and that, and I'm booking, another one a week and it's just easier and easier because of the momentum and i can only imagine that when i write threads based on the conversations i have with them that the follower account will go up and when that follower account goes up we'll get more people and and once we launch on tiktok and youtube that's going to be the real growth driver is adding the spoken word to the written word because i think what the what, what the four of us and, and sean i'm going to include you and say the five of us what we've always talked about with these spaces is it's very easy for anyone to look good and, and be good on this platform with their writing because so much of the writing isn't done by the people who are i'm going to put writing in quotation marks and I mean, we all know this because we know a lot of the people who are doing the writing for those people. And so when you look at it, these people have big followings, but they don't necessarily have the experience or the background to substantiate that following and to substantiate their message. And we've always said that the speaking is what allows you to show that true authenticity because any one of the people in our audience tonight, they can jump up, grab, grab the mic and ask us a question about wealth generation and real estate mindset. Uh, and, and we'll be able to answer them pretty eloquently and be able to speak to what we write and more. And I think that level of authenticity, when my wife gets us up on YouTube and TikTok is, uh, I'm telling her she's the producer. Um, when she starts producing the content, I, I think things are going to grow a, a lot more than they already have. And, and that's going to start to really launch things. I'm so happy for you and Leslie that she was able to retire. That's, that's super exciting. It's something you said earlier, Clint, it to me is also a podcast host where at some point Twitter was about growing the podcast and that was like the goal. Now it's like, I have Twitter and also a podcast and I have a website and also this podcast. The podcast was like the thing and now it's a thing for me, which has been kind of interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Lauren. And, and as you can well imagine at some point for me, that Twitter itself started to outstrip the podcast in terms of it and, and possibility and avenues for where I was going to take all of this. That said, I'm doubling down on the pod podcast come January. We're re- relaunching, rebranding, new website, new name, new cover, new graphics, like very, very, the biggest, you, you know how I always say invest in yourself first and foremost, it's the 
greatest investment you'll make outside of buying homes. This is the biggest dollar amount I've ever invested in something to relaunch all of this and rebrand it. So I'm very excited about where that can go and what it's going to look like. But totally agree with you that it went from podcast is the thing, supporting it on Twitter to podcast is one of eight things in the spoke and those spokes are all meant to drive the six avenues of our business but absolutely um the twitter became the thing so it's it's been a crazy crazy ride like steve remember when when i was in whistler a lot one year ago not even a year ago buddy we both hit seven thousand that week together and I was at I was at our works business planning and messaged you and I was like, holy crow, like seven thousand, this is crazy. We've grown so much. And and that was the first or second uh, we can remember. You've grown so much. <laughs> um no, I, I, I remember that, yeah, for sure. We kinda I think you crossed yeah, seven thousand. I think we even crossed ten thousand followers on the same day too, didn't we? Eleven or ten thousand. It was close. No, yeah, it was like um, after the second we went after the seven, you started releasing your uh, your Ethereum mining guides, and you yeah. just you you went stratospheric. Yeah. And somewhere in there, you sent me a message and and said, "Hey, I, I know I'm ahead of you now, but based on your based on what you do and the way you write, mm-hmm. like there's going to be a point where you do go exponential. Like I hope you know that." And I was like, "Oh, we'll see," you know. And I I had. You were commenting. I sent you my handwritten notes on like my path for future path for growth, and you were like, "Yeah, that's going to happen." And, and you were right. That, you know, I was, I, w- I was definitely discouraged for a few months, uh, but then all of a sudden, in April, it started to just take off. Yeah, Stephen, you forced Clint to be on a space for nine hours because you had ten thousand birds. Exactly. Yeah, I gotta catch him. I gotta catch him. <laughs> I hit ten thousand like three months ago, guys. So I'm like, God. Are you, are you at, are you, have you got the twenty yet? No, I don't know. I think I'm just not that, that likable. How, how did that Excel thread go? Not, not good. Not good. Andrew deserted me on that. I'm actually, I'm gonna go to his condo and yell at him. I think. Wrote <laughs> an Excel thread and didn't tell me. I would have shared it. Yeah, oh. I did. I didn't put the word Microsoft in it, and Stephen made me feel like bad about it. I just said Excel, and it was it was like it didn't go. It was yeah. You got to get the keyword Microsoft Excel. It has to have Microsoft uh, Excel in there. No, did you just say that? That's what kicks it. Andrew got a retweet from Excel. Right every month. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew got a retweet from Excel from Microsoft UK. Andrew left like. He took like this week off after he bullied me into writing an Excel thread last week. I mean, I'm not bitter. Or anything, but I'm just saying that just happened. Stop bitter. Just stop <laughs> <laughs> why, why? Why did he take a week off? He's been growing so fast. Well, I, I don't know. Some week off all platforms. Like he's just on a vacation. Because that of all, yeah. that that dude is on like five platforms and grows pretty exponentially on all of them. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go to dinner with him next month. I'm excited. But like Stephen, um. I only got 12 hours off Twitter because of you. Sorry, say that again? You don't think you're 12 hours off Twitter? No, remember when I got 12 hours off Twitter because of you? Oh, yeah. Cause you, <laughs> for the people in the audience, uh, Lauren said she was going to slap me. 
And, I said JK! <laughs> and that triggered some sort of alert or flag in Twitter. And did it suspend you for 12 hours? Yeah. Or you weren't able to use the platform for 12 hours? Yeah. Because like I said, people I said, yeah, you were like, you said you're like, somebody slapped me. And I was like, you probably deserve to be slapped, JK. And I got kicked off the platform for 12 hours. So I had a 12 hour break because of you. That was hilarious. <laughs> people, people will say the most offensive things, but you say the word slap, and apparently that gets you. I know, I know the racist crap that we see people say to Tiffany, or the stuff that the super anti-C people say to Tom, or frankly, the sexist shit that I have to deal with, like your husband should manage your bank account or whatever. It's crazy that that's what got me kicked off. <laughs> all, all, all the stuff that's going on this week with our boy Kanye and what what he's throwing out. And the uh, people that are echoing it—it's insane. Like that's mental that's illness. Okay, porn's okay, yeah. but you say you say slap and you're suspended. Like it's just baffling. I said J.K. in the tweet. It was in the tweet. I'm just saying. It really was kidding. Oh my god, we are so off the rails from real estate horror stories. Now we're just reminiscing on the last year of Wealth Wednesday. I, I think that's what we need to do on the last one. It's like the—it's uh, like an episode of Cheers. The fact that I did that whole space while in a sauna, I might actually pass out. I had to get out now, but I think I'm going to uh, fall over. The, that was insane. Another one to remember, but like yeah. a nine-hour yeah. one. Yeah, hour and ten minutes in the, in the infrared sauna. But our office, so get this, our office, the heater broke. So I sent a photo to Sean of it. The last three days I've been like wearing my winter jacket while I'm in the office so every day I get home I jump in the sauna just to kind of get my core temperature back up because I feel like I freeze all day so I actually have a somewhat funny story like that I used to sell the first 2014 to 2020 first six years of my selling career I sold business finance training but I sold it in the form of a board game and so this training had to be done in person. I left the company in February 2020 because I didn't want to sell in-person training anymore. Obviously worked out great. But back in 2017, January 2017, I was in New Orleans. And Lawrence, that's funny because you're here. I was in New Orleans in January 2017 helping to deliver some training. And it was so cold. It was like a once in 100 year cold snap in New Orleans. And the pipes burst in the hotel. And somehow this all led to, in the training room, the heat wasn't working. And so it got down to like, I want to say 45 to 50 degrees in this training room. And again, we're all like circled around these board games that are for training. And they brought out the lamps that you would like put on food at every table and gave us all these blankets and you just reminded me of that Clint we're all like playing this business finance board game like cooking like hot dogs it, that was but I can't believe we've been doing that with that for like multiple days because like this one day or was it was ridiculous oh. two of my colleagues Lauren that were beside me uh both both the women were like oh what are you talking about it's not that cold like you'll be in a bit and, and, um, and all of a sudden, there was a bit of a power surge because they both had their friggin' space heaters plugged in, and, yep. and the uh, the fuse broke for their 
for their space heaters. So they shut off and then all of a sudden they were both like, oh, it's actually really cold in here. It was like, you, you're cheers. Like you're working because yeah. you have space heaters on. I used to know some probably. people that had space oh, heaters under their desk. Space heater. Yeah, I used to know some people. I never understood that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's up, Sean? Perfect. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was, was going to so sing along, but you know what? You, you wouldn't want to hear me join Sarah McLaughlin and ruin the moment. No, Guys, no that was, that was I, all I just, time. I just want to jump on quick and say thank you for doing these spaces for a year. I, uh, I feel like I was the wedding crasher for maybe a third of them, and I loved every minute of it. So I just want to say thank you again to you guys for doing that. And uh, I hope to catch lots of you guys on Spaces in separate ways the rest of this ongoing Twitter journey we're on. I love what you guys are reminiscing about where you were and where you've gone. And I'm happy to see all of you guys leave the squirrel in the dust and pass me and grow into bigger, better things. So I just want to say I'm proud of you guys all. I love you guys all. And uh, pumped to see this continue. And if we ever get to it, I'd love to hear some horror stories because I've had nothing but good, happy trails with my real estate adventure. So let's, uh, I'll throw an earbud in and I'm going to sneakily listen to you guys as I sit and watch horrible reality TV with my wife. So enjoy, guys. Love you, Sean. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Ibanchu. I'm a new follower. Uh, I have a quick question for all five speakers. First of all, congratulations for the wins. Um, I've been following you guys uh, for a month now and, you know, hope to be a part of this group, part of the speaker series in the future. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to know, do you guys uh, remember the checkpoints um, of your f follower base? Like how, what, what triggered or what the events um, from the first hundred followers to the first thousands to the multiple thousands, like, do you, do you, do you guys know the strategies or checkpoints for each of those, um, milestones? I'd love to know. Who wants okay. to go first on this one? I think well, Clint or Steven, you guys decide. Clint, why do you go for, uh, why don't I go first, then you, then you yeah, follow up, because you, yours is going to be a little more... <laughs> okay, so my my first 100 followers actually came pretty easy. I think the algorithm boosts you and kind of gives you that first initial push. 100 to 200 actually was pretty hard. Uh, and then to get to 1,000 took me five months. It happened in February of... It would have been 2021. And then I remember in August of that same summer, uh, I was at 2323. I remember I was on a camping trip down in Waterton, Alberta, and I hit A23. It's double Jordan number. And I was really happy and really proud of that. And I showed it to my wife, and she said, That's fantastic. You're doing awesome. Or just, you know, whatever. Pat me on the back type of thing. Um, awesome. And then after. After that, I wrote an Ethereum mining guide. So that's I, that's one of the ways in which I make passive income, or used to, uh, is mining Ethereum 
and sell into USD or sell into Bitcoin, whatever you want to do. And I, so I wrote a free guide on how to mine cryptocurrency. So that exploded my account. And then I collaborated with the four that are on the panel here. So Tom, Clint and Lauren, and we made this spaces as well. So that helped where I'm giving value in terms of, I can teach you how to mine Ethereum. And then I'm collaborating with uh, three other people uh, that are reputable within the real estate community and are terrific investors and terrific people, as you've heard on here tonight. And then that lets people know that, that I'm authentic, that I'm real, that I'm a real person. And then that's when my account really started to take off. Clint started uh, kind of a small community where we would work and collaborate together to refine our, our tweets as well. So Clint is a master, and that's kind of why I wanted him to go second, at writing tweets. And he taught me a lot about how to write properly. Uh, and that had a profound impact on my tweet style, how I write. And then over time, you just personally get better at tweeting. You find your audience, you find your voice. And then 1,000, in my experience at least, it gets very exponential and you will take off. Uh, people will click on your profile. They'll see that you have 13,000, 15,000, 17,000 followers. And they say, well, he must be good at something at least, so I'll follow him. And then it just kind of compounds and takes over. And then once you get across 20,000, that took me, I think at about 20,000. But uh, I hit 45,000 in the summertime this month, this year, and then 50 a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, and it just keeps on growing. Um, I don't want to, it's one of those things where you got to stay consistent. You got to keep on providing value, providing authenticity, right? and you'll, you'll find your voice. You'll find your, who you are, so to speak. I don't, yeah. Hopefully that helps. Clint, you and I were on the same trajectory for a long time. And then, I mean, you're more than 3x where I'm at. So you need to step in here and tell us what is the story of how you became 168,000 followers. Yeah, well, you, and, you and I were, were growing together. And, and I think one of the key things for people to realize is to that the words matter but they're not the only thing so your experience your lived experience your thoughts your ideas they definitely matter you have to share them but you also have to package them well so the way you write the structure the way you lay it out that's important and then also the way you get the information out there so the groups and friendships that you form so that when you write something your friends will hit it you'll you'll hit their content you'll share each other's content super important to get that initial boost and, and to get your content into people's uh laptop and, and into their into their homes i like to refer to that as the distribution so your distribution network has to be solid and so i'd say early on i mean i was on here a few years ago and I regret not starting a new account. That, that would have been way cooler. But I came back to this account that had about a thousand, probably dead followers. And Steve, I think at the time you were like three or four thousand. And and I thought, you know, you had your friendship circle that you knew. 
with uh, Brennan, well, uh, Jesse and a few of the other guys. And I, I thought, like, oh, I need to crack into that group. So I had you all on lists and I was commenting on all your stuff. And, and early on, you were one of the only ones in that group that kind of gave me the time of the day. And we started striking up a friendship. And then we joined a bunch of groups together. And then ultimately what we did was we started to form our own. And that was really big because that helped us both get to 10,000. And once that I did that I always say people need to do is I was making pretty heavy investments in learning. So first I was in master class with you and then I took create published profit Sorry, and then after that, I took ship 30 for 30, and then I took audience building. And what I started to do along the way was that same group that I had created with Steven, where we shared each other's content, I created another one, and then another one, and then another one. And one of the things we've always done in those groups is it can't only be about sharing each other's content. Like the one I was in with Steven, we still have it. We're over a year now, and we have like a tweet editing room, a thread editing room. Uh, we review each other's bios. We review each other's profiles. We don't do that as much anymore because we're all a year into this journey, but we did that with each other for, for a year or more. And so that really helped cement our relationships so that we could grow together. And that was beautiful. And, and some of the ones I'm in now were actually a mastermind where the people that are in the room are all building a business and we're leveraging to build those businesses. And so we get on calls on a monthly basis on a zoom and talk about our struggles, talk about some hacks, some ideas. And the more you do that, the more you build relationships with these people in those relationships, when you share content, they share content, you're all going to grow together. And Steve, where it really started to hit, was April of last year when I took ship 30 for 30. I wrote a thread a day for 75 days and some of those threads were horribly bad, but some of them started to resonate and really started to learn. And so that month, I think they had maybe 6,000 followers, but the next month was, was 18, then 20. Then we had a month where we added 50, then, then 12, then 15. This month will be about 20. So it started to be an average of about 20,000 followers a month, May, June, July, August, September, now October. Um, and, and that's been, I write three or four threads a week. You know, a lot of them maybe certain elements of them are recycled from past ones because there's only so much lived experience I can have without going to redraw on Google. But if you, when I'm adding that many followers every three or four months, you have almost a, almost an entirely new follower base. And so I, I, I think that's been the key to growth, uh, And I don't know if that, that helps. I've also put out some guides that you, you can find if you search, uh, Twitter growth and my name, I have some threads that I've written and some, some guides that I've put out on ClickUp that take you from zero to to 20,000 and I think the, the definitely the long form content is the way to grow right now we're seeing it not necessarily work the way it used to because the content that seems to really be uh, running on the platform is sort of you know the 10 Google Google Chrome extensions or 
10 websites that should come pre-installed on every browser. Uh, all that stuff seems to be what's really lighting Twitter on fire right now. But uh, I think it will, over time, return to adding value to people through long-form content will help move you forward in the form. Hope that helps, really. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for the tips, Glenn. And as you were talking, Clint, I was adding it up, and over 5,000, there's been over 5,000 downloads of the Wealth Wednesday recordings, and that doesn't include anybody that's attended live, and that doesn't include anybody that's listened to the recordings on Twitter. So I would say probably it's like a third, a third, a third, so probably 15,000 people have heard these different spaces to date, and, you know, because they're live on the Adulting is Easy podcast feed, more and more people will still listen to them going forward, which is pretty interesting. I don't know that I would have guessed that there's not that many. Something else that I was going to say was how important is a supportive spouse when you're doing this, Clint? <laughs> oh, it's the most important thing ever. I don't think that I would be able to have done what was done over the last, well, I mean, over my whole life without her, is she's always been so supportive of my crazy dedication, whether or work or whatever you want to call it, workaholism, whether it was work or, or whether it's been growing the podcast and the social media in the face of, you know, her and the kids saying, all right, sure, crazy dad. Um, but now, but now, you know, even though she, she might have thought that, it was really supportive to say, okay, well, you go in your office and keep working and, you know, take time to write threads on, on vacation. And so absolutely, unbelievably impossible to do without a partner who's right by your side. And I think you, you, you've seen over the year that we've been on this spaces. It's why I refer to this adventure as we, because I couldn't. I couldn't have invested the time into it without her. And so it's been our venture, you know, the, the businesses that we're launching, the things that we're doing uh, are in our company and we own that company 50, 50. And so it's, it's, she's quite happy to be behind the scenes and, and let me be the face, but uh, she's going to be instrumental in it. Steven, what do you have to say? Uh, how instrumental is a supportive spouse in this adventure? Is that the question? Yeah. Um, ironically, because while you were, while Clinton was answering that, my wife came down and was asking me a few things, so I had to go on, take my headset off there for a little bit. No, no, it's a hundred, yeah, hundred percent. It's, it's imperative, uh, because while you're doing social media and while I'm doing Cashley University, other ventures, trying to keep my job down, running the turtle side business. Uh, she, I have to her a lot. She helps. She helps with bookings. She helps with um, doing books, running the, the business. Uh, it, it would be lost without her it wouldn't, it wouldn't work it just wouldn't work i there's no way and i'm learning this really quickly too like there's no way even i can do all of this just me her i need oh 
as many people as you, you, you need a supportive team around you and I need an inner circle of trust that is is raw solid and um, it starts with me and you have to be able to trust yourself you have to have that inner commitment discipline trust you have to have somebody with you as a spouse or partner however that might be in your life doesn't matter to me really or doesn't doesn't matter at all who that person is that they have to be rock solid with you and then after that you need you know just kind of layer out or onion out a little bit that next layer you have to have absolute trust and they need to trust you and you kind of go out there and the bigger you can get to trust the bigger the influence you can have so rewind that back if you don't have discipline or self-trust you have nothing and if you can't have a supportive spouse partner that you can trust every day day in day out it's not gonna work it's just not gonna so you definitely need to have somebody with you all the way yeah i agree even today I came in for my bike ride and my husband came in from the gym slash running errands, picking up lamps and things like that. We haven't talked about this, but one of my long-term tenants gave notice this week. He gave me seven days notice and I accepted it. And we're going to have another short-term rental next week because of that. Um, so he was out picking up lamps and, and things like that. But we walked in together and he wanted to talk about, we went and looked at a new house today and we were talking about the offer we're going to make. And I was like, hold on, I have to reply to somebody on discord. And he's like, yep, totally get it. Because <laughs> I was going back and forth with um, this guy. We were going back and forth on the Airbnb channel. And then we went to DMS and stuff. And I was like, and he's, uh, so I was going back and forth with him about short-term rental regulations and accessory dwelling units and things like that. And my husband like, Nope say no more, totally get it because he knows that cash value is something that's important to me and I'm working on it, I'm doing it and I'm, I take that teaching seriously. And it would be very easy for somebody to think that you're on social media or you're on Discord and you are just kind of goofing around and you're not growing, you're not helping other people. And that's that's what this has become, I think for me. Both Wednesday started sort of as like, you know, I wanted to grow and maybe talk to you guys and get to know you guys more and maybe help some people here and there. Over the last year, it's become very purposeful about what value do I bring? How helpful? How can I help the most people? And that's what this has become about. And the best way for me to do that is in cash value and also through my one-on-one -on -one coaching are the biggest impacts that I can make. And, you know, We've been going strong now for even tonight, an hour and 40 minutes. And then I spend more than that amount of time every single week editing as well. And while I've enjoyed it and it's been incredible, I think there's just a ton of different ways that all of us can help people and bring value going forward. I'm looking forward to it. And I think we should do Wealth Wednesday reunion sometimes in the future as well. Don't want to spring that on you guys. But we are pretty much past time. Is there anything, Clint, Stephen, or Tom, that you guys want to talk about before you wrap tonight up? I just think that was a good lead out there, Lauren. Um, you know, as you grow on social media, uh, your path changes and you morph, you grow, and you discover new ways in which you can help others. That's what it really comes down to is helping others. Um, you become... I just love what you said there, so I just want to leave it at that. Help them grow, help them build wealth, help them build abundance, and help them 
become awesome in whatever way that that is for them. Help, help others. Glenn, did you have something there? Sorry, you're off mute. Sorry, no. I uh, just hearts for that, buddy. Been a fun ride. Yeah, it has been, has it not? Uh, no matter how we talk this whole thing up, uh, you know, in some ways we exceeded expectations, in other ways I don't think we met some of our goals that we wanted. But either way, I think we all grew together. And I, I'm convinced we helped some people out. Convinced we helped some people out. Um, Lauren, I know, for example, you helped out that woman, uh, Jessica, with her short-term rental. And she's extremely grateful for how you helped her out to get that up and running. Tom, I know you help people out all the time with eBay reselling. Oh, oh, oh we've had people on here live thanking you for you helping them to buy places in uh, Toledo, I think it was, maybe even Dallas. Yeah, I've, I've had three yeah. clients close this year on, on properties, so that's, a, that's a, a huge feat. I didn't see myself there a year ago, but um, I'm excited where I am. I, in my opinion, exceeded my expectations because I would have never thought that I'd be at, I don't know, like 29,000 followers um, because I believe probably at this time last year I was at about 1,700. So I, I think that a tremendous amount and and it's been a a great opportunity to connect and help with other people and to meet people around the country and for us to um help each other and support each other i'm telling you i remember how terrible my first thread was and i sent it to clint and he's like this is garbage let me rewrite it um and then he rewrote it and he rewrote it so much better but said the same thing that i said and um at that moment, and I still have that that um, thread saved because it's like my model thread. Um, you add value, and and you be authentic, and you share your story in a meaningful way. And now every time I do a thread, I look at that one as my model, and he's right. So I'm I'm glad that I got that opportunity to do this with you guys. Wait, 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 wait! He never said. He never said. That's garbage. Let me rewrite that for you. You did say. You said, said, said it probably said it nicer. Get rid of this. <laughs> I said, let me Control A, delete. Just, do, just delete your Twitter already. What are you even doing? Let me do some work on it. In the uh, in talk, you won the freaking uh, you won the award for best real estate content on social media this year at the Plutus Awards. So the uh, you killed it. You, you took one thread and on your Twitter, on your on your Instagram, you you blew up. You were you were the bomb this year because you you know you left work and you had time and and you put the effort and uh, a heart into it. You delivered. It was wonderful seeing you win that award this year, brother. I was yeah, there in person. Ben was there in person. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> hey Lawrence, requested this. Requested the mic. Hey, hold, on, hold on. I want to know this. So when Tom gets his Plutus Award, did he have to? It was like a speech. Did he have to go up there and get it? What, like what? How did that all? Yeah, out? 
Yeah, he had to go up there and get it. I mean, I can't even explain this to you how awesome it was to spend, I don't know, four days or whatever straight with Tom. And I'm telling you, we had never met in person and it was like we had known each other our whole lives. I don't know. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Uh, but I already have my FinCon ticket for New Orleans next year. I'm going, no doubt, hands down. Um, but again, ah, speaking of New Orleans, what's up, Lawrence? <laughs> Hey, what's up, everyone? Um, I just wanted to say um, thank you all, you know, for having this space. I can't remember exactly when I stumbled upon Wealth Wednesday, um, but I, too, had, like, a dead uh, Twitter account. I had left Twitter, like, 10 years ago. I started it and just got off it. I was following, like, I guess my favorite celebrities, and I was just like, uh, I don't like Twitter. And um, whenever I started to um, start getting into real estate, some people were on Twitter. And so I kind of like went to Twitter for two individuals. And then, you know, I guess the algorithm did what it did. And I so happened to have stumbled on Tom's profile, the frugal gate. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this person, this guy is being very transparent about being a real estate investor you know he's not trying to you know be all gimmicky and make it seem as though it's just all rainbows and gumdrops he was sharing the good and the bad of it and so through his um account i was able to start to listen to uh wealth wednesday and um, i followed pretty much all of you um who are who have always hosted the spaces and i've learned so much um one thing i always say is that you never want to be the smartest person in the room you can always you know learn from from someone and i've learned a lot and um i know that you all have grown thus far since you started well wednesday but I would, you know, applaud you all for the people, your listeners who have also grown. Um, for me, uh, Tom has gotten me out of my comfort zone and, and, you know, pushed me to share more of my story um, on social media. And um, my hope is that it, it does help someone. But I would say whenever I started listening to you, listening to you all, I had... Um, my primary residence and I was about to close on uh, my first rental property and now um, I have two rental properties in a primary and it's like a full circle moment because um, I don't know if I can prematurely say this but I was happy to you know be invited to uh, Lauren's podcast and I'm currently at home right now listening to you all while I'm sending a lease agreement um, so I'll be pre-leased on all of my properties. So I just want to give you all your flowers today and tell you all thank you so much. And I will definitely um, keep you all updated on my on my journey. Thank you, Lawrence. It was amazing hearing your story earlier today, actually a couple of hours ago now. And I think all the listeners will love it. I guess that's it, guys. It's time to wrap up.
We won't see you next week, guys, but this will be on the Adulting is Easy podcast feed in a couple of days. Bye. Bye. Bye, people.